Hello, and welcome to Over My Dead Pod, episode nine. This is your host for today, Kate Carter. I'm Kylie Colwell. And I'm Holly Spear. So this week, I'm going to be doing a story that you guys, I'm pretty sure, will not know unless for some reason I've accidentally told you before or just heard about it, but this is going to be a good one. So we're just going to kind of, we're just going to jump right in. So this week, we're going to be doing the Super Bowl murder. Let's go back to 2017. So not too long ago, five years ago. The 2017 Super Bowl was hosted on February 5th. This day is a normal Sunday to some, but to football fans around the world, this day was their day to gather together and celebrate. Charles Vorpagel was one of these fans, or so we thought. Vorpagel decided to host a party at his house to watch the New England Patriots beat the Atlanta Falcons. Side note, that was also one of my favorite Super Bowls of all time. And he invited a few of his friends over to come um, and hang out. Vorpagel lived in the beautiful beachside town of Jupiter, Florida, which happens to be my current hometown. At 26 years old, that time, Vorpagel wasn't actually a Super Bowl fan or a fan of football for that matter. Instead, he was hosting a party for people to come over to his house to party while the game was playing, but there would be a menu of cocaine, marijuana, beer, and ecstasy. In a quote taken by Vori Pagel, he said, I don't care much for sports. I don't really watch football. We were all there to relax, have fun, and enjoy the evening. But that Super Bowl Sunday in 2017, the plans didn't go as well as they thought they would. Around 11 p.m. that night, the Super Bowl had ended. The New England Patriots won. A small group by this point had gathered at Vorpagel's house off of Mohawk Street in Jupiter. Those in attendance were Charles Vorpagel. He was 26 years old. Then we have Kelly Dotry. She was 20 years old. Brandy L. Sally, 24 years old. Sean Henry, 26 years old. Marcus Stewart, 26 years old. And Christopher Vistada, 24 years old. As a side note, so the names that I just said are going to be the names that you're pretty much hearing throughout this story. There's a lot of names. They have interesting last names. So just try to keep along, but I'll repeat them a lot so you guys can remember them. So this was the crew that hung out at Vorpagel's house. So after finishing the game, the crew went out to their backyard and decided to gather around a bonfire. Around 1 a.m. on Monday, February 6th, right after the Super Bowl, three neighbors of Vorpagel's called the police. They complained about apparent gunshots that they had heard. One neighbor, Brendan Seif, stated the following. He said, I heard gunshots and ran outside. At that moment, I saw a gentleman come from the backside of a house, jump over a fence, and run across several homes before he ducked and covered. The person Seif was talking about was the 26-year-old party host, Charles Vorpagel. The neighbor recounted to the police that he heard eight to 10 gunshots coming from the backyard. He also stated that by the time I heard the gunshots, someone was running through my front door. I had met this man before and I knew him as my neighbor, but he ran on in my house and he was so scared. He wasn't able to put words together to really explain what was going on other than the words of my friends are hurt. The neighbor, Seif, also recalled hearing screaming coming from the neighboring house. Quoting what he heard, we need to get in the car now. We need to leave. The police are on their way. It was at this time the neighbor heard two men talking as they got into a car parked in Vorpagel's driveway. 
two Palm Beach sheriff officers witnessed a four-door sedan run a red light nearby the shooting um, when the shooting was occurring. But at that time, they weren't aware of the shooting. They hadn't been called in for it. So they followed this car anyways and eventually pulled it over for a traffic stop. When they pulled it over for a traffic stop, it was at this time that the rear driver's side door opened and a male fell out of the back seat and onto the concrete. Then the car drove off and another police officer followed that car. Back at the scene where the guy was laying on the ground, it was one of the party goers, Christopher Vestata. He was lying on the concrete having been shot. He wasn't able to tell officers who had shot him because he was going in and out of consciousness. Vestata was taken to the hospital and eventually recovered from the shooting. So that was Christopher Vestata. So as police arrived back to the crime scene at the Vorpagel house, they were shocked to find what was waiting in the backyard. Next to a lightly lit bonfire, there were three bodies. Sean Henry, Brandy L. Sally, and Kelly Dotry. They were lying dead on the ground with apparent gunshot wounds to their bodies. Now get this. Henry had been shot 17 times. L. Sally had been shot five times and Dotry four times. Fast forward two years after the shooting. So it's 2019. No arrests had been made, but there were talks around the Jupiter community that the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office was fully aware of who the people were. And it wasn't until June of 2019, two years after the shooting, that the host of the party, Vorpagel, was taken into question. It was at this time that Vorpagel was arrested on unrelated firearm and drug charges from firearms and drugs that were found in his house that were seen while the crime scene was going on. And he received an eight-year prison sentence for this. He went to federal prison. I've seen this before. Police will wait. If they think you might be a person of interest for mm-hmm. one crime, they'll wait to arrest you on other things just to like get you in the questioning room. Just wait. Okay, so Vorpagel got arrested. He received an eight-year sentence in federal prison. He decided to then talk to police about the Super Bowl night shooting. There was a lot of information, potentially misinformation, that he said, but he provided the following to officers. They ambushed us. We were sitting like ducks out in the backyard. Three people in dark clothing and masks came through my backyard and started shooting everyone. I didn't recognize the attackers, but I did recognize one of the voices. It was drug dealer Luke Kasukos. Kasukos, who at this time was not connected to the shooting whatsoever, happened to also be a well-known local drug dealer who had been rivals with multiple people that were at the Super Bowl party. Prosecutors used DNA and physical evidence to link one of the party goers to the shooting, Christopher Vistada, as we talked about earlier. The evidence found included 40 caliber Glock handgun and an AK-47 rifle. Those prosecutors later went on to say that they believed Vistada used to kill Henry, who was the intended target of the shooting. Prosecutors stated that Vistada ended up dropping his gun when he accidentally got shot in the butt by a fellow attacker who they assumed was either Marcus Stewart or a third unidentified gunman. So remember Vistada, now we find out he was shot in the butt by someone accidentally. He was one of the shooters. And then in the getaway car, they just, they tossed him on the side of the road. Now we have to talk about the third gunman. So Marcus Stewart uh, was identified by officers through DNA evidence on one of the guns found in the getaway car used during the shooting. And there was also DNA evidence of his gloves that were found and a shirt in one of the victim's cars. 
So Stewart was also one of the party goers that night as well. One month later in July of 2019, Christopher Stada was found guilty in Palm Beach County for the triple murder that had occurred two years earlier on Super Bowl Sunday, 2017. Vistada waited about two hours in court while the jury deliberated, and it was concluded that he was one of the two masked gunmen who barged through the Jupiter backyard, killing the three young adults. Now, Vistada and the second gunman, who was earlier identified as Marcus Stewart, embarked on a mission of evil, and it was through drug sales, weapon dealing, murder plots, and they had planned to kill. Two of the three victims in the shooting were women and unintended victims. Uh, Jurors later found out they happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and were not supposed to be there that night and were not intended to be killed. The intended targets were Henry, who was in the shooting, and Vorpagel, who was the host of the party. The motive was later found out to be a feud with rival drug dealers about an unpaid debt. Vistada was later found guilty on three counts of first-degree murder with a firearm, one count of attempted first-degree murder with a firearm, felon in possession of a firearm, and grand theft auto. Remember, these are all kids like in their early 20s. A jury decided to sentence Christopher Vistada to life in prison with no chance of parole. But if you remember... The host of the party, Vorpagel, had been arrested on unrelated charges and was serving out an eight-year federal sentence. But when you look up court records, it shows that in March of 2020, three years after the shooting and three years into his eight-year prison sentence, Vorpagel was reduced to time served and five years of supervised release. So he has home detention with electronic monitoring. That's it. Now, remember the witness that had stated earlier that there were three people getting into the getaway car, and we only have two arrests at this point. Courts have already recognized that Charles Vorpagel was not involved in the shooting, but had been arrested and charged on other stuff. Christopher Stada was charged and convicted for the shooting, and so was the second shooter, Marcus Stewart. But the third person was still in question to date whether or not anybody had been arrested. The name Luke Kasukos. It was thrown out through the entire investigation, but never in court documents. It was just like word of mouth. But yet, Kasukos is nowhere to be found. So, in fact, he's gone. He's out of town. He's out of state. And none of us know where he is. To date, November of 2022, Kasukos has never been arrested. So how did his name even get involved in this case? When originally questioned by the assistant state attorney, party host Vorpagel, stated that the night before the fatal shootings, Vistada had come over to his house looking for guns to purchase. So Vistada is the one that's in prison for life. But Vistada had come over asking to buy guns, specifically semi-automatic rifles, which one of those was used in the shooting. So he bought the guns from the person that he tried to kill. Vorpagel said he and Henry, the victim in the shooting, knew Vistada from selling drugs around town, but they said that the night before the shooting, they wanted to talk to him about an issue. Apparently, they believed that Luke Kasukos, who was a big-time drug dealer in this small town, had robbed one of their friends for $14,000 worth of marijuana, and they were trying to find him. So it was at that time that Vorpagel wrote a statement to the police stating that he had recognized Luke Kasukos to be one of the gunmen in the triple homicide. He pointed him out in one of the court documents by saying He could see his dreads through the black mask and he could see a gold grill. Luke wore a gold grill every once in a while. Kazukos was a person of interest in the triple homicide 
and was followed for weeks after the case had started, but was never arrested for any connection in the fatal shootings. And there was no DNA evidence of him being there either. So in the hours leading up to the Super Bowl Sunday shootings, War Pagel and Henry, who's one of the victims, got lunch and started drinking earlier in the day. Now, Super Bowl is Super Bowl Sunday, so nobody's working. Vorpagel told the jury that he waited for drugs to be delivered to his house, and then he was supposed to bag them up. But even though it was Super Bowl Sunday and Vorpagel had invited friends to watch the game, it was later found out that it was never even a plan to watch the game because Vorpagel didn't have cable in his house. So they were never there to watch the football game. On February 5th, 2017, three lives were taken in Jupiter, Florida. One, Henry, was an intended target, but the other two, both females, Daughtry and El Sali, were innocent victims. Vestada continues to serve out his life prison sentence. Vorpagel continues to serve house arrest for the gun and drug charges. The second gunman charged, Marcus Stewart, is currently awaiting sentencing for his part in the shooting but is expected to be found guilty in all charges and will be serving life in prison. As for the potential third suspect, Kazukos, his social media pages are inactive and there are rumors around town that he now lives in Michigan, but we don't know. I do want to take a few minutes to remember the victims. The first victim, Kelly Dotry, she was shot four times and she was 20 years old during the time of the shooting. She was known for her infectious smile, how happy she was, and how she inspired to be a real estate agent just like her mother. Her boss said that it was unusual that on Monday she never came to work. She hadn't watched the news that morning, and she actually received a phone call from Dotry's father later in the day telling her that Kelly had been killed. The second victim, Sean Henry, was shot 17 times. He was one of the intended targets for the shooting. He was only 26 years old at the time and was an active member at the Jupiter First Church, where he was super devoted and had just returned home from a mission trip in Haiti for building homes. The third victim, Brandy El Sali, was the only victim who wasn't from Jupiter. El Sali was 24 years old at the time, had been shot four times, and she was actually from Gainesville, Florida. She was visiting some of her family while while she was in town. So her friends remembered Brandy for her great parties and how often she liked to go to the beach, stating that Brandy was beyond amazing and so full of life. She was always just a good girl and always there for everyone. To wrap it all up, as side notes, the case is closed in Jupiter, Florida. So they have opted to not identify a third gunman in the shooting, though the witnesses all stated there was a third person. At the time, Luke Kasukos, we don't know where he is. Like I said, they think he might be in Michigan, but he was never arrested, never questioned from what we know of. He was let go on all accounts. But there are definitely rumors in town, which we will get to about what could have happened. But that is the 2017 Super Bowl murders of Jupiter, Florida. Can we just take a minute to talk about how brave the neighbor Brendan is to hear dozens of gunshots and then to run outside? And then like you can look him up and he has pictures like of him in court. And I kept thinking to myself, like, that's your face you're going to remember. That's very brave. He's in court in a t-shirt, sunglasses on the back of his head. Oh, you know he just came off a boat. He's sunburnt. He's sunburnt. (laughs) But another theory that has been pondered about is that Luke Kasukos is in witness protection and that he said something because this guy was super popular, had lots of friends. He was a big workout guy. He partied all the time. 
Everybody went to him for drugs. And then he just, as soon as the case happened, that was it. There's no other explanation to have all these accounts of a third person in a police to be like, mm, we got two. It's fine. It's very interesting that he was never arrested and now no one knows where he is. Maybe he's just on the run. It's pretty crazy. It was a crazy story. And not that long ago. And you're a Patriots fan. It's becoming a little pattern for you. You're the football murder girl. Oh, also, I did see that their house was for sale. Oh, should we go have Z on it? We can probably get a good deal on it. So that is my story for today. Like we said last week, everyone who's listening, we are going to start doing at the end of our episodes, we're going to do a quick little crime time table, as if you would call it. And we're going to just give you updates about what's going on in the crime world or news that's very fascinating, but it can really be about anything. Or just fun stuff. Yeah. yeah or just fun stuff. So I will go first since I'm hosting this time, but um, there is an update in the John Bonet Ramsey case. So this is as of a few hours ago, it was actually released at like 1 a.m. Eastern time. It's been 26 years since the pageant queen was killed, John Bonet Ramsey. If you don't know that story, there are so many documentaries you can watch. Very famous case, but let me get right into it. So Colorado authorities have announced a major update on the case of John Bonet Ramsey ahead of the 26th anniversary of the murder that shocked the nation. The Boulder Police Department and Boulder County District Attorney's Office said on Wednesday that they plan on teaming up with a cold case team early next year to start looking back into the cold case murder of the six-year-old. So this murder happened in 1996. It has been a primary case in my lifetime. Not like the back of my hand. Very, very sad. Very controversial. There could be so many things to it. But for them to open up the cold case and start with a cold case team is huge. That takes a lot of effort, so good luck to them in 2023, but I'm very excited to see what they they get up to. So that is my crime time talk of today. Do you guys have anything? I have a little something. Turns out we got to keep an eye out for Iowa because a woman named Lucy Study has claimed that her father, Donald Study, or Studi, I don't really know, who passed in 2013, killed 50 to 70 people years ago and that she helped bury their bodies on their farm and now police are actively digging up the farm have they found anything not as yet but lucy's sister susan says it's all fake so it could be fake but we don't know yeah but the fbi is there Mm. they don't usually just show up so Mm -hmm. we'll see holly do you have anything um i don't really have anything like news related but i just wanted to see if you guys had seen anything about tiktok conspiracy about uh bebop and BB or whatever the heck it is, the mom daughter that people are saying are imprisoned and matching them to like unsolved cases and missing people. Okay. Pretty interesting. Who's BB and Bebop? Okay. It's this mother daughter duo on TikTok Mm -hmm. that record Mm -hmm. these very um, popular like dances. Like they pick the most listened to audio on TikTok and they'll make a video with it, like these little dances. Her daughter is in like well, a full face of makeup, fake eyelashes, full foundation, red lips. Like it's all out. She's all out that they have this these crazy filters all over their face. But then these TikTokers have gone through and gone through all their videos and tried to see stop their videos and says there's like, oh, there's a lock on the inside of their door. The room gets moved around and restaged. Like they're um, in prison. It's it's literally like they're in, like in someone's basement or something. But it's pretty creepy. Just like the videos in general are just 
distasteful. I feel like they get tons of views and like tons of saves of their videos, which it's it's bizarre. And few people actually have gone through and like found two missing people that they look exactly alike. And I'm going to say it's pretty damning. Either it's a complete crazy coincidence that they look exactly alike to these missing people or the mother's just exploiting her daughter. But either way, that's that's kind of what I wanted to talk about this week. It's really interesting. Look it up. There's probably YouTube videos about it by now. They're making a lot of money and followers off of it because think of how many people have looked at their profile now. There's people commenting in like, oh, if you're in trouble, like wear yellow in your next video and they'll wear yellow. They ag it on. If it's fake, they could easily just dismiss it and be like, hey guys, like we're not in someone's basement. Here we are. It's okay. But they don't say anything. If Holly and I were ever kidnapped and like put in a basement and forced to make TikToks, like we would be fine with that. Are you guys bebopping boo boo or whatever? I'm going to end the (laughs) podcast episode now. So thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed episode nine. Bye. Bye. Bye.